Blog Talk Radio. Hello and good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Psychic Inside Show. My name is Joelle, and I'm the Vibrarian. I'm host for this show and other programs here on the Vibrary Radio Network, and I'm so glad that you are joining me this evening. You can find all of our programming on Blog Talk Radio at the website blogtalkradio.com slash the vibrary, and that is V-I-B-E. R-A-R-Y. Every Tuesday I'm here on Psychic Inside Show, and our goal on this program is to explore what it looks like for one to discover that they have psychic gifts and abilities. And so each week I bring on a special guest who is here to share with the listening audience about their unique experience and their path that they took as things unfolded for them. Our show line, if you are interested in calling with a question for our guest, is 646-668-8988. And you can just press 1 if you have a call or you wish to contribute to the conversation or if you have a question for the guest of the evening, definitely press it and I'll be to you as soon as possible throughout the show. Also, there is a chat room that is open during the program. You can access it through the Blog Talk radio page for the episode. And I will also try to answer questions and field from the listening audience that's listening from your computers any questions that you might have. Now, I've got a community that I've put together. I like to call it the Good Vibe Tribe because we all know that uh, we are vibrational beings and our vibe attracts our tribe. So I've got a community of like-minded people who are gathering on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can find me by using the handle at the vibrarian, and that's T-H-E-V as in vibration, I B. E as in energy, R-A-R-I-A-N. Now, we're sharing information that is positive, uplifting. You'll find articles about current events and things that are going on, awesome pictures and inspiring moments that people capture out. Please tag me. Put Good Vibe Tribe in your hashtag or get lifted in your hashtag so that I can find it. And I'll make sure and spread a little bit of that viral web love around so that we can all be uplifted. Now, I just truly appreciate having an opportunity to come on the radio each week. And I would like to thank our sponsors for the month, Stacey Molin. With Stacy Mullen Natural Hair Care here in the Atlanta area, specializing in locks, braids, and all manner of care for your natural hair, and also the Fillmore Center for Rehabilitation and Wellness. They are sponsoring our programming this month, and I'm just truly grateful for their contributions to bringing this program to you. Now, my guest this evening is a gentleman who I have seen in the Atlanta area. If you have ever gone to the Big Psychic Fair, which is a, kind of an institution here in the Atlanta area, it's up in Roswell, Georgia, the first weekend of every month, and it's hosted by Gloria Parker. And I'm pretty sure she's on at least maybe her second decade of hosting these fairs up there. 
And I love it because you get an opportunity to sit down and have readings with various people. And over the years, I saw this gentleman kind of quietly sitting up in one of the corners, kind of out of the main pathway. And he always would smile so brightly at me. And at one time, I sat down and had a reading with him, which was very, very helpful. It was probably almost two years ago now when I was really at a turning point in my life. And he provided such really calm and peaceful guidance that he's always kind of stuck in my head. So as I was looking at people to be sure I had a conversation with on the show, I said to myself, I need to go and find Preston. So I'm talking about Preston Cook. Preston is a local psychic medium here in the Atlanta area. He has been providing services at the Blue Barn and also at the West Georgia Spiritual Living Center and all over town. And so he has quite a following of people who uh, responded when I posted that I would be having on the show. And so I'm just really excited to welcome you to the show tonight. To our listening audience, I'd like to introduce Preston Cook. Preston, how are you? I'm fine, and thank you. That's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, your energy is beautiful. Your your energy is beautiful, and I'm really so excited. Now, for those of you who don't necessarily travel the psychic circuit, if you will, or aren't familiar with psychic fairs, these are places where you can go and find uh, dozens, sometimes, if not more, depending on the size of the fair, of people who are um, offering reading services with their gifts to be able to provide short readings for people um, in a very much a public space. Now, one thing that I've noticed, um, I am an African-American, and one thing that I noticed over the years is that there were not as many, one, there were not as many males that I would see out at psychic fairs. Um, It was definitely a lesser percentage. And then even smaller uh, percentage of the males that were there than were people of color. So it really caught my eye when I saw uh, you starting to attend at the Blue Barn, Preston, because honestly I have not seen a lot of black males Um, out reading at these kind of events. But I know that spiritualism is not something that is unique to any one particular community. Have you found yourself, um, you know, living in Atlanta, which is a very diverse uh, community, what have you found as an African male uh, self-professed psychic? What has been your experience with that? Okay, what has my experience with, the, with that? Well, um, well, it's not something that I talk about all the time uh, to a lot of people. Because people understand it, don't understand it, or have fear about it. And um, sometimes I find, especially in maybe our community, sometimes it could be the maybe I would say the the belief system kind of mm-hmm. push it away or not so much about it. But when you think about it, when you go back to the generation of like my grandmother, great grandmother, um when I was a kid coming up, they would talk about seeing spirits as a common thing 
they wasn't fear of it. It was just something that was common. And I remember as a kid coming up, listening to my great uncle at the time, who would talk about his sister supposedly was born with a veil and she can see spirits as they, Mm -hmm. he's going way back to time when they, horse and buggies, when they were walking Mm -hmm. to maybe revival meeting at church and how they would have to pull over on the side of the road because there was a spirit or family, spirit of families were were coming through or passing through and the sisters say just Mm -hmm. pull off on the side of the road to let them come through. There wasn't no fear. There was a respect. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Now, when you were growing up then, did you, mm-hmm. so you had family members who talked about seeing spirit. And mm-hmm. were you also then aware that you were seeing spirit at a young age? Well, what was interesting with me, um, my uh, Uncle Bill, that was my great uncle, um, I was maybe seven, eight, nine years old at the time, he would always talk about stories of his childhood, and it always would end up talking about ghosts or cemeteries or people in the casket, even though I was scared. (laughs) But at the same time, I would just continue to talk to him and talk to him, talk to him, because there was a deep interest there that I couldn't understand. And um, I found out when I he was like my grand actually like my grandfather because my mother's parents had passed um, when she was a little girl, and basically they raised my mother. So I was just fascinated just with the old stories that he talked about how life was during that time, especially during the time a little after you know slavery, and I just loved the part. One of the big things he always talked about was um, spirits, you know, seeing spirits, people seeing spirits, spirits sitting on somebody's bed, spirits giving somebody messages. Uh, My grandmother down in South Georgia at night, back in the day, her and my aunt and um, relatives would be sitting on the porch at night and they would talk about spirits, you know, different spirits would come around and visit and give messages it was like a common conversation, and I was somewhat intrigued by that. And uh, as a kid, scared at the same time, but very much intrigued by it, but just didn't quite understand why. Um, my dad had experience when he was a kid growing up that um, a relative on my grandmother's side of the family, she passed away some years before my dad was born and my dad was sitting up in the house and he said this beautiful lady just walk into the room and sit down next to him and was playing with him and mm. and all of a sudden she just disappeared and he went out my grandmother sitting on the front porch and he went out to my grandmother and said hey you know there was a lady in the house and we were playing together And he described to my grandmother exactly what the lady looked like, exactly what she was wearing. And my grandmother, back in the country, you know, first kind of denied it to make sure he wasn't telling the tale. (laughs) And (laughs) she told the same story to my great-grandparents. 
And then in the evening, I understand they would all go over to my great-grandparents' house across the country road for dinner. And then they mm-hmm. had my dad tell a story at the dinner table. And then they didn't tell my dad to maybe several days later what he experienced. So the lady that came here to visit, well, we know you went lying because, first of all, she's a cousin of yours that passed mm-hmm. away, I guess, of childbirth. And you des- what you describe her clothing is exactly clothing that we buried her in. And I guess she mm-hmm. came back to, um, so he said, of course, that, you know, like, okay, she's dead. Why would she come back and visit me, <laughs> you know? But the visitation mm-hmm. that he had, it wasn't negative. It wasn't scary. She was just in the room playing. They were having, you know, he was playing with his toys, and she was showing him his different toys. They were just having a good time together, you know. Mm-hmm. So he had that story. He had a few other stories that um, he would tell me about experiencing um, seeing people who passed over that would come. But then even maybe six or seven years before my dad made his transition, he would come back and tell, he started telling me more stories about my grandmother, like when my dad brothers had made their transition, before anybody told her they passed away, she already knew. So when they called and say, Mama, we got something to tell you, you know, so-and-so mm-hmm. um, passed away. She says, I already know because they came and visited me and let me know they passed away. Mm-hmm. I'll just wait for you guys to give me a call. So this mediumship psychic ability, as I can see, is running through my family line. Mm-hmm. Clearly. I mean, as you're having kind of this normal conversation that includes aspects of encountering ancestors and spirits and loved ones, mm-hmm. were you also in a church-going environment at the same time? Mm. Where, where was religious instruction yeah. very strong in your family? Very much so. Um, on my father's side, was very strong uh, Baptist and Methodist. Matter of fact, we got... Um, a lot of ministers and preachers back in the generation on my dad's side of the family. Um, my mom's side uh, was very strong um, Methodist. And then later on, my dad ended up becoming uh, a Church of God in Christ pastor. And my mom, my, my mom and dad are divorced. Well, my dad's deceased now, but my mom and dad are divorced. And my mom has always been in the church and still is in the church. So my family is very very, 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 very close connected with the church. <laughs> yeah. So was there ever any point where there was a tension either for you within your family or church um, practices or for you personally where you felt that like your spiritual path was at odds with your church upbringing or that it was challenging for you to embrace mm-hmm. your gifts or what did they kind of go hand in hand in a, in a more well, positive dynamic? I look at it this way. Um, seeing as though my grandmother were coming up during their time, this was more accepted, but looked like around the time I were coming up, Maybe 
people were just getting to these, I call it newer, modern traditions, where mm-hmm. it really wasn't accepted. And where when I was going to the holiness churches with my mom and dad, you know, they look at this being evil. So I thought, you know, not realizing that something was wrong, this was evil, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, it's amazing, because even though when I was a teenager, I was drawn to metaphysical things, and then I was told at the same time, be careful with that because it's witchcraft, okay? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember when I was getting to the point of holistic eating, when I was like 17 or 18 years old, and one of the first person I give credit to, Dr. Drew Pukram, I used to listen to her show, Oh, my God, that's back in, probably back in the 80s. And I remember she mm-hmm. talked about um, reincarnation, some of the different things that was totally taboo. But I was drawn mm-hmm. to her, and um, I remember I was getting to the natural foods, the health foods. I go to the health food store, and I went to um event <coughs> at a health food store that ended up having a psychic fair. And I remember walking, and in the back, I remember the lady said, oh, in the back, that's where we have all our psychics that are reading. Well, because of, I thought, anything related to mediumship or psychic was evil, I was afraid mm-hmm. to go back there. And I remember I had to to go to the restroom, and they I asked where the restroom at. They said, right straight back near where you had to pass through the psychics. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. I want to do that. So I like did a beeline to the restroom and beeline out. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because I, that's the most mm-hmm. common thing that I hear from people is this suspicion. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know nothing about that. I don't want to get into anything mm-hmm. that's going to cause me some problems. And it's very much a mm-hmm. fear kind of if you even explore this, you're jeopardizing a, a kind of like your salvation. So you, you're right. talking about you didn't exactly. even want to be in the hallway or in the room with something, right? But no, the similarities were... between uh, church mm-hmm. process, you know, holiness is a, what is a pretty lively right. church experience. So there's speaking in tongues, right, right and pro- prophetic deliverance and things of that. Um, it's exactly. interesting because now I see all of these people channeling uh, on YouTube and stuff, and they're they saying are. they're channeling light light language. And I'm like, the first time mm-hmm. I heard somebody do that, I said, well, that's speaking in mm-hmm. tongues. What do they mean? That's light mm-hmm. language. And I said, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I get it. You know, well, I get it now. So it kind of, <laughs> you know, shifted my perspective. Well, remember, but they're cousins. <laughs> I remember going to revivals back in the day when I were coming up where they had this preacher that was known that could um, basically what he's doing, mediumship and, and, and psychic reading, preacher would come and he would get up there and he would call somebody out and tell them their address and their name and maybe whatever struggle they're going through in their life and then he would lay his hands and pray on them and people would get happy, whatever. And and they were known that he was known to do that, it, but it was okay. They didn't call it psychic mediumship. They called it um, 
something like discerning of the spirit. They had a different name. <laughs> so I remember going to re- revivals like that where, you know, Reverend so-and-so is coming into town and, and you know, and you, you were spooked a little bit because you was like, okay, we know that he gets up and preach and he gets down the aisle and he'll call you out and he'll tell you about your life situation. And at the end, he'll lay his hands on you because you were spooked a little bit like, oh, he could call me out and tell me all my business in front of, Mm-hmm. You know, these 500 <laughs> people that are sitting in the audience. But that's what um, some of their life, that's just exactly what they did, you know. Uh, I've been mm-hmm. in um, revival services where somebody may have um, attachment on them. And the preacher mm-hmm. will come down to to remove the attachment off the person. Mm-hmm. Same thing if you're doing shaman or spiritual work, you know. So I grew up. In other words, I grew up seeing all of that, um, which I look now, which were like my different learning or stepping stones to get me where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now, did you ever, while you were in your, I guess, church time period, mm-hmm. Did you actually mm-hmm. then manifest your spiritual gifts in the service or as a deacon or prophet or in uh, as a church role, or were you just kind no. of participating in the, in the worship of church and not, I, um, you know, as a vehicle? I participated, but what I happens when I was growing up as a kid, um, I would have dreams a lot, um, and a lot of times when I would have dreams, it was a lot about, you know, somebody who died or, or people who had died, and it used to scare me at night because I couldn't sleep. Once they the light on, I'm running downstairs. At the time, at the house that we lived in was a two-level house, and I remember running downstairs telling my mom I couldn't sleep at night, and she's like, why you can't sleep at night? And I swear there was a casket or a dead person sitting up in my room or or uh, I would hear noises. I remember we had um, several pets that had died that were dogs. And I remember them coming back. I'm sleeping at night, about 2 o'clock in the morning. I hear their footprints coming up the stairs, <laughs> come up by my bed. And then when I set up, I couldn't see the dog. I wasn't afraid because that was my doggy. I was in love with the doggy, and I was very sad when the dog had made his transition. And I remember the dog, one of the dog's name was Pepper, and I remember it about 2 o'clock, 2 or 3 o'clock, and heard his dog come upstairs and came near mm-hmm. the bed, and I sat up, and I was like, Pepper, Pepper, and I was like, okay, you know. Then I would tell my mom the morning, you know, Pepper came and visit me. You know, my mom like, no, he didn't come and visit you. You were dreaming that. Mm-hmm. No, ma, I really wasn't dreaming that. I, I was. I woke up and I heard his feet. He came up stairs like he always do, and he came and sit by the bed, but I just couldn't see him. So I was having mm-hmm. little things like that as a kid and a teenager. I was experiencing things like that. Another thing I mm-hmm. first started experiencing, my great uncle who. I also give credit to help open up the door. Um, one I talked, one I had talked to all the time about, you know, he's telling about spirits and dead people and his sister and the mediums and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. He always said that 
um, we have to get used to to understand about death because death is a part of life. And then I'm going to have mm-hmm. to understand about spiritual real and there is a part of life. And he always used to tell me, he says, they're around you all the time. You just can't see them, you know. Mm-hmm. And he says, mm-hmm. some people have the gift they can see them. Some people have the gift they can feel them, you know. And mm-hmm. he was saying, and he was talking to teaching me basically and not having fear of death. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, because he was a child, he was up in his 70s, he was saying, before long, you're going to have to come through the funeral home and view me, and you can't be scared. You're going to have to be mm-hmm. a big big boy about it. And mm-hmm. um, and I maybe I'm seeing like I'm jumping around. It's, I just got so much information. <laughs> but Wait, yes, even yes. him, yeah. even him, he had little experiences. It was like if a neighbor in the neighborhood or a friend of his is getting ready to make their transition, a dog would come on the back of his porch and it will howl three times. And that's the mm. symbol for him, let him know that somebody's getting ready to make their transition. And I remember he would, if a dog did that, he would make a comment like, yeah, a dog howled last night. Somebody getting ready mm-hmm. to pass another two or three days. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it always happened. Somebody up the street had passed. Maybe a relative had passed. So I remember that cycle. So when he was sick and he was um, diagnosed and he was uh, um, with lung cancer, and when he was sick, and I remember probably the night or la- the night before, last two nights before he went into the hospital, and I remember we were sleeping at his house because the time he was up in age, my great aunt was up in age, and my mother was like their daughter. And they came back from the hospital, and I remember sleeping in the back room. And I remember I heard the dog came up on the back mm-hmm. all three times. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. that happened, my uncle, about a day or two later, he made his transition. Mm-hmm. And then... After he made his transition, I remember that night of his transition. After we got word and made his transition, the very next night I was sleeping back in the same room, and I remember I looked up. The room had a lot of windows. I remember in the middle of the night, I looked up in the cloud, and I saw this round thing. It looked like a star and an angel, but it communicated mm-hmm. to me that was him letting me know that mm-hmm. He's on the other side, and he's fine. And I remember I told my mom the next morning, you know, I said, Uncle Bill is fine on the other side because he came back as an angel. He's the star that was thrown around that window that was piercing through me, mm-hmm. telling me that he was fine. At that time, I was like 12 years old. So I was having mm-hmm. little experiences like that. Then after mm-hmm. he, we had the funeral services. About a week later, we were back at the house cleaning out the house and to move my aunt to our house because she was way up in age. She couldn't stay there by herself. And we slept in the house that night, and that that night we slept, I heard a dog howl again three times. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. oh, well, Uncle Bill died. Mm-hmm. I can't think anybody else going to die. A couple of days later, my grandmother mm-hmm. made her transition. Mm-hmm. So I was wow. having those kind of experiences like from 12, 13, 14, 15. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, just those kind of experience. 
yeah. So um, those are, yeah. So that's I guess in a long word, those are as a young person coming up, I was having those kind of experiences. You know, yeah. So, how did you? I've got a couple mm-hmm. different questions that I, I wanted to cover, but how did mm-hmm. you then go from rushing past the room with the psychics because you were fearful that it would be a conflict for your religious mm-hmm. faith to being a practicing and professional medium. I mean, I know there's a couple decades in the middle of that, but how did you begin to then embrace that this was something um, that was bigger than just an awareness that it was actually something that you were going to be doing as a service offering? Well, um, I always was searching what my purpose was here on this planet um, for many years. I think ever since I was a teenager, I had always asked the creator, you know, what is my purpose? And um, and I remember one time there was a minister that prophesied over me, said something that my purpose would be like spiritual work. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, you know, like, being a preacher or something like that, which I had thought about doing one time to be a preacher. And um, so I, I remember that. That was a teenager at that time. And um, it was that question, what is my purpose? You know, by the time I was in my 20s, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Then there was always a part of me that I knew that I was different. Okay, I didn't think the same way everybody thinks. I didn't have the same interests. I was always drawn to spiritual stuff, just drawn to it, and maybe not understand why. Um, mm-hmm. But and I always had that question, what is my purpose? You know, I would go back to school and try this field and try that field and try this. It did not work. So I was still, again, mm-hmm. What is my purpose? I was trying to, I was almost to, I really was to the point figuring that did I come here as a mistake? Because I don't, Mm. I can't vibe on the same vibration that average people, I can't do it. I try, Mm -hmm. but I can't Mm -hmm. do it. So then again, I'm back Mm -hmm. asking the same question again. What is my purpose while I'm here? And then, Mm -hmm. of course, the higher self would speak and maybe say, well, you're here to do this and that. And then I'm like, no, that don't make no sense because that's really taking me out of my paradigm, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go with that. <laughs> that don't make no sense. <laughs> so it was, kept asking, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And um, one beautiful thing I'd like to bring up while I was searching um, I was asking one of my purpose, not only just one of my purpose, I was very curious as an African-American man, where did I come from? Where my culture? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. was that really deep into that because I said there's more to me than just a black man in America. So mm-hmm. right around in my mm-hmm. 20s, mid-20s to early 30s, I was really searching to find who 
who I was, my roots, my ancestors, what do they think? How did they get over here? You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, where I'm from, because my other mm-hmm. friends who non-African Americans pretty much know their background, their history, how they got here. They can go trace mm-hmm. the generations back. I couldn't do that, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And that bothered me, so it made me almost feel like, hmm, okay, you don't know what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. You're almost like you're a misfit, a misfit in America. So mm-hmm. it was all those things going on. And mm-hmm. then I um, finally, <clears throat> I went to, I met, a, I, I was with a friend of mine who, got involved with a a spiritual group, as you see in my bio, with the the EFOS system. And I Mm -hmm. happened to go over to his house, and I saw all of his shrines and things. As soon as I walked in the house, it was like I went home, okay? Mm -hmm. And then from Mm -hmm. there, I went for divination. And then, of course, when I went for divination, the first thing came out, you're a medium. (laughs) And at that time, I didn't know what a medium was. And I remember I questioned the priest. I said, what, what is a medium? He told me what a medium is. And I looked at him like, no, that's not me. I'm not communicating no dead folks. <laughs> and he looked at me. He laughed. He just laughed. I was like, yeah, I see. <laughs> you don't understand this. But he said, this is <laughs> he said, this is who you are. This is what you came on the world to do. And I was looking at him like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, my mind going back to different experiences that I have had uh, about mm-hmm. what I just mentioned about, I thought, okay, yeah, that do kind of make sense, but no, nah, I don't know about all that. Mm-hmm. So, But later on, um, through that, I did go through, gosh, now when I, went, when I decided to go through the initiation, because one of the things came in the reading for me, the initiation, into their Gungun society, which deal with ancestors and spirits. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. I think I had, when I made that commitment I was going to do that, I had visitations just about ancestors mm-hmm. and people on the other side, I think the whole time until that experience. And um, one of the most experiences I had, I never, 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 I was telling my mom yesterday, I never, never forget was that the week I was leaving to go through the initiation process, my mother's people, I saw my mother's people that was on the slave ship, came Mm -hmm. to me. There were two women. Mm -hmm. They were chained up, came to me at night. I knew them just like I knew... Mm -hmm. um, my next door neighbor, my coworker, my mother, I knew mm-hmm. them. And I looked at them and I said, I know you guys. And they had their tribal markings, which they were uh, Yoruba people. Mm-hmm. And I looked at them. I looked at their faces. I saw them in chains. And then we got to a certain distance through this experience. I saw my mom and me sitting on a smaller boat that was on the shore of America. Mm. So that, that, I mean, with that experience, I never forget that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I went to the initiation process and at the very last day when they did all the divination, tell you where your family, where you come from, 
first thing he mentioned that about the women coming from um, Yoruba, from Nigeria, from Yoruba. And I told him, I ha- I saw him. He said, yeah, he said, because mm-hmm. they initiated you before you got here. Mm-hmm. You just came here for the procedure. So. Mm. That is one of the aspects that I wanted to delve into in your journey because you do mm-hmm. – um, you know, you are a priest of Ifa system, and you also have undergone shamanic uh, training underneath a, a yeah. another shaman for a period of time. And oh, one well, of the things that, that when you add the layer of, okay, there's many ways that people express their psychic gifts. And at, you you will see people doing mediumship, um, and then there are different belief systems that some people also then participate in with their spiritual gifts. So, for example, you may be clairvoyant but practice Wiccan or um, mm-hmm. do earth-based uh, manifestation mm-hmm. work. Or you might mm-hmm. follow ancestral practices such as Ifa or um, even Santeria or um, mm-hmm. Vodou, any number of mm-hmm. practices, even shamanic, which is kind of, in the generic sense, Native American. Of course, each tribe uh, has their way of viewing the shaman work, but overall, those are just small details. The larger practice is very much the same. And as you look to the oldest of cultures, the further we go back towards indigenous level practices, you find that there is a continuity of connection between the living and the ancestors. And I think that in the the practices of African ancestral systems, such as Ifa, have gotten a bad rap because what we see are things like, oh, this is a voodoo priestess and this is bad and this is animism. Or, you know, there's all manner of fear-mongering even beyond what you see from the break from traditional re- religion, when you, I know myself when I first came into awareness of voodoo, of course, was movies as a child. But then when I was in high school, I went to Haiti uh, for a trip with my father and then came to understand mm-hmm. about how the African practices merged with the Catholic and Christian practices mm-hmm. to kind of present the Divine Mother or the Divine Father in different faces or what they call syncretization, which merges the older ways with the more modern Christian practices as kind of a way to for the political systems of the, the day to use the influence of people's individual practices. So, you know, wise women have been going to the woods and gathering herbs and the wise elders have been making sacrifices and working with the elements of the rain and the sun and father, sky, mother, earth across all cultures for for thousands of years before we developed the rather newer systems that now predominate our culture. And I think it's interesting because if anything, the religious church would probably have more conflict with your ephah than, per se, your psychic gift because of the misunderstanding about what it means to follow an ancestral practice. 
would you say that that's kind of a fair summary of how ancestral practices are viewed? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's so interesting to me because there is a cultural preservation, right? I'm sh- One thing that I notice is if you get into people who are ancestral practicing and shaman practicing, that is where you find more men in balance. So there are plenty of uh, shaman, masculine expressions out there, priests who are teaching, leading, fulfilling um, their duties and roles as as gender defines them. But when you take off that kind of uh, tenor and get just into strictly mediumship or your generic, then the number of males drops significantly. And I'm not sure what the corollary, why that is, but to say that there are fewer male psychics of African-American heritage is actually wrong because I've been in communities where they are filled mm-hmm. with rooms with psychically strong and aware and connected to spirit African-American mm-hmm. males, but they're not sitting mm-hmm. at a psychic fair <laughs> and saying, you know, well, you know come sit down with me and have a reading. Yeah, I know with the uh, EFA system, which is um, in a sense a closed system um, where it's pretty much kept in the community. And when I was involved with the EFA system, like you said, I saw, I mean, mean all the men and the women (laughs) that were priests or priestesses you know, all of them could read, you know, psycho. I mean, that's just, that was just common, you know. Mm-hmm. But um far as, um, since I'm outside the system doing my own thing, like you said, at fairs and that, no, I don't see the men at the fairs and that. But I think, I know with the ethos system, it's usually a pretty much closed system. They just pretty much work in their particular groups together. And if somebody from the outside needs to have a reading done, you well, I know the house that I was in usually um let's say somebody from outside I knew they need to have a reading done because they were having some situation that was going on in their life. Um I would go back and talk to my godparents and say, Hey, you know, I have somebody, you know, they're not part of the circle per se, but, you know, they have this issues and that issues going on. And I had to get permission, and sometimes they have to go to divination <laughs> if they should let mm-hmm. this person to read this person sometimes, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but as long as I get permission, it's, oh, yeah, bring the sister or the brother. They can come over and we can schedule a reading for them because that's what happened to me. And mm-hmm. um, the person would come over to the priest or the priest's home, and they would do the divination and do the reading. So it's it's just it's set up differently, you know. So and um, yeah. Now, in terms of um, in that particular system, is it? Exclusive in terms of if you're not um, African American, 
you would not necessarily be able to receive a reading, or is it just more about the spiritual uh, permission for this person to receive the reading? Well, um, I wouldn't say they're um, exclusive just to African Americans. Really, the uh, EFA is for everybody. Okay. Um, Mhm. So the it was a multicultural group of people. It was well, not a. Well, the group I was well, I I was just say the group I was with was predominantly. Well, it was basically all African American, but there are some groups out there that do open up to other groups of people, from my understanding. Okay. Mhm. Now, if you sum up, like, what what's the Cliff Notes version of an ancestral practice like Aoife? What What is it that is unique or stands out about this kind of way of working and approaching spirit as opposed to less structured? Because it is a system, as you said. Um, oh, yeah, it's definitely a system. Mm-hmm. So how does you know I don't, I know you can't get deep into things but like so when one says I want to enter the system what happens mm-hmm. what is the experience of an individual who then wants to explore further down that path Well this is how with me um for me I can tell you about my experience cuz everybody else other people's experiences are different I was always curious. Again, I was still asking. I was asking universal question: Who am I? What's my purpose? Where did I come from? Where did my ancestors? Where did my people come from? These are questions I was asking through the years. And you know how the universe does. It just events just showed up. It just so happened mm-hmm. that one of uh, a friend of mine who got involved into the system first. Before I did, I didn't know anything about it. I just so happened went over to visit him and saw his candles and different little shrines set up. When I walked in the house, I instantly felt at home, didn't even know anything about the system. And then I had asked him some questions, and he would answer some of my questions. And um, basically, he had to go and get permission because um, I was I was curious. I mean, I was just my antenna went up. I was really, really just curious. So yeah, for me, he went and got permission, and and then um, from that, I went and I met a priest, and the priest gave me a reading, and um, and was a reading about I think an hour, hour and a half long, and it was a great reading. And it just went from there, you know. Um, then I went, for, I guess, back for another reading, and um, then things start showing up. <laughs> um, that's how I got into it, you know. It's it's it was just different events, different events, and then next thing I know, okay, I had to go and be um, initiated. So and and that's what happened. So during the process of initiation and then instruction, is that where you receive uh, learning about 
um, connecting with ancestors differently, yeah. or did, did you enhance your psychic ancestors. by the things that you you do? Yeah. Well, how I tell people how we look at ancestors, even from, uh, if you want to say from African point of view, uh, they're your guardian angels. You know, know, there are people that a lot of times the people you know, grandmother, grandfather, mother, father, or or great aunts, people who loved and cared about you when they were on this side and they are – I say on the other side, they're still here. You just can't see them mm-hmm. with your natural eye, but they're still here. They still sit around you. And mm-hmm. um, they, they I look at them as, as, as my guardian angels, my helper, you know, when I'm going through some things or trying to change a different path. Uh, they're your messengers, you know. They, they look out for you. They support you. And, yes, the question you had asked, yeah, I, I – definitely was a different person after going through initiation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, definitely uh, the mediumship, or, or the, which was more heightened. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's um, You definitely will see things even more different. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's like through an experience. It's hard to describe. It's just you have to experience it. Mm. If that makes now, sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. It's tantalizing. And, but I know that what you're talking about is also a pretty involved time and intensive experience as well. It's not mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. a weekend workshop, <laughs> right? No, no. Uh, no, it's it's a life it's like a lifetime of growth, a lifetime of um you know, a lifetime of learning through this whole process. I'm learning, still learning more about myself. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, with all this, basically ties to take you back to understand your life purpose yourself, getting you to learn, know yourself. And that's how I view what religion or any spiritual system is: is going back to learn yourself. Who is Preston? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and these different paths you take, or these journeys that you take, if you decide if you want to be Christian or you Hindu or Muslim or you Efa or you or you shaman or you just the person in the backyard, the different paths that you just take is to tie back into who you really are. Who is Preston? Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. What what abilities does Preston have? Okay, you time. I look at you time back to your higher self, and when you open up into your higher self, you'll be amazed, and you're so connected with the universe, you'll be amazed of all the things you have access to, like seeing mm-hmm. the spirits, talking to the spirits, um, and even besides when I'm learning shaman. Your trees. I talk to my trees in my backyard. The sky, mm-hmm. the animals that's mm-hmm. out there. You'd be surprised how because everything is living. Trees are living, stones are living, um, the grass is living. Mm-hmm. When you talk to them, they respond back to you, and that's mm-hmm. something that we have lost. That's something that 
Our ancestors, no matter what culture you're in, had so close connection with Earth. And Mm -hmm. you talk to the Earth. You you talk to Mother Earth. You talk to the ground. You talk to dirt. You talk to the trees. You talk. And messages Mm -hmm. come out. And sometimes you may be in your mind, you might be thinking about, I need to do this, need to do that. Just being out there in nature, the message comes to you. Look up at the sun, the message comes mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Everything vibrates. Everything wants to communicate. And I think that's one of the worst things that happen to us when we disconnect ourselves from nature and looking at right. things from the outside or this outside some outside force is up in the air that's supposed to help us. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it is um, interesting because along with the whole conflict of um, jeopardizing your salvation because of dabbling in supposed psychic gifts and arts, that's like a major mm-hmm. fear-sticking point. Another major challenge is what happens after we die. And I have a dear friend who I know her mother is around her. She feels her mother. She heard her mother's footsteps. I mean, I know it's her mother. She does not believe that it's her mother. And her her whole conflict is, well, when she died, how is she not in heaven? Or are, it says in the Bible, the dead are asleep. And they know no mm-hmm. more until the final judgment. And so mm-hmm. she's having a religious conflict about it. But then also her mind, she said, well, if my mama, she really didn't care that much about me in life, why would she be around me now? And my statement is, well, don't you think if she's a spirit, she would be a little more evolved to learn that to be and to have an opportunity to be around you in spirit to give you the nurturing support that her her incarnated self may not have been developed enough to be able to give you? Why would you not think she would do better in the afterlife than in, in the current life? But she just doesn't have a belief system that allows her to accept but she definitely mm-hmm. keeps feeling touches and cold breezes and air and footsteps and, yes, and right. you know, <laughs> things of yeah, that nature. But the fear, I, the fear matrix mm-hmm. is really significant. Well, I had several people in the past that I have read um, similar situations like you mentioned about a friend of yours um, where um, they came to get a reading and their mother or their father came out first and they looked at me like well that's interesting because I really didn't have a relationship with them uh, because maybe this factor that factor and I remember one was still angry with the mother um, because they just did not get along on this side and she's like I can't believe she'd be the first person to come out (laughs) And I said, well, first of all, (laughs) she recognized maybe the difficulties you guys had uh, in the relationship. Now she's like, okay, if I didn't maybe support you enough on this side, but guess what? I'm on the other side now. I know better or I'm healed from whatever situation I'm dealt with. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to be here with you, support you, and help you on your journey. 
And not only does that, mm-hmm. it helps to heal. So if, and like I mentioned to her, if you open up to have that relationship with your mother, and she may not be here physically, but she's here on the other side. And I and I hate to say the word other side. They, I mean, they still exist. It's just that you just right. can't see them. Right. But if you have that relationship with her, that can heal the pain or whatever situation that you dealt with when she was in flush. So you can move on mm-hmm. with your life. And mm-hmm. another thing, too, you said that she was having problems with dealing with the afterlife or what's it like on the other side. Well, I had an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two cousins who made that transition not at the same time. One was a cousin on my father's side of the family, and another one was a cousin that was more kind of related on my mother's side of the family. One died in the 40s of cancer. The other one had a heart attack, and he was in his early 50s, okay? And, I mean, mm-hmm. being who I am, one night they came to me with a very vivid dream, said, we want to take you to the other side so you can see what the other side looked like. And mm-hmm. I went on that journey, okay? Mm-hmm. And from what they showed me, on the journey, it was a, another world, just like this world, okay? I remember they took me to an area where it was like a large school, and these children were playing outside. And these were kids who made that transition like they was one, two, three, four, five years old. Mm-hmm. And they were at, they mm-hmm. were in the school, in the playground, was playing and, and being mm-hmm. nurtured and and happy. Then we were walking down the street and other people walking down. It looks like how it looks over here. And mm. but the difference about over there, everybody was at peace. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um I mean that experience lasts through most of the night and I was like, Wow. <laughs> and I know they took it to the other side because they told me they were going to take it to the other side and I have faith mm-hmm. and I believe that, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, wow, you know, and it was, it's, and everybody was well, everybody was happy, everybody was looking good. And uh, I was like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, though, just, it, they they say, well, I can't believe that because that means I don't believe in Jesus and, and my church, you know, so it kind of, cuts them off from that because they think, well, if my loved one was saved or was in the good place, then they're in heaven, and that heaven mm-hmm. is a place then that is not accessible. Once you're there, you're behind the pearly gates, and you don't go back. You know, it's kind of like a finite, close the door, yeah. Archangel Michael kind of like thing. That too. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> or the the dead are sleeping; they'll wake at the second coming when you know the trumpet exactly. sounds and all the bodies will come up. You know, there's people who don't want to get cremated because they're like, "I need my body for the last day." You know, it's very right. very interesting <laughs> how belief systems start to mm-hmm. uh, definitely shape our experiences. You know, right. Um, right. It seems to me like the common message that is always received from benevolent spirit, be it uh, loved ones or angelics or higher guidance, Mm -hmm. is that fear 
is not something that we are supposed to be subject to. That and right. it seems like oh, and fear and grief and sadness um, is all right. a matter of our perspective, and they're always inviting right. us to enlarge our perspective beyond that which is negative and see that well they're not gone they're still here you have a whole team of people or beings helping you you're not as alone as you think you are and you're not as uh you haven't fallen as short as you think you have that you're actually doing pretty good that seems to be like a common thing that i hear repeatedly is the assurance well that we are coming from a reading it's (laughs) <laughs> Can I tell you some other experience that I have? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I, um, um, there's times that somebody, um, and I had a friend of mine used to do this until I caught on, if someone would make the transition her family, she would want me to come to the funeral home or to the family hour, and um, and I would go. And I would go because mm-hmm. I was real close to friends, her not because I really wanted to go, but I would go. And then when I would go, and we're sitting in a room with the bodies laid and the people coming in and viewing, and after a minute or so, okay, I started seeing smoke around the casket. So for me, when I started seeing smoke, Ooh. then I know there's a connection, okay? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I see, I remember it was her great aunt who had passed away. And um, I remember I, all of a sudden I was sitting there, then here my head get a little dizzy, and I saw smoke, and I was thinking, my mind, all right, here we go. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I saw the image of her sitting on her casket, smiling and happy and in peace. And the communication mm-hmm. she was giving back to me my family shouldn't be crying. They shouldn't be. She said, first of all, I am mm-hmm. so happy that I'm well-loved that everybody comes mm-hmm. to remember me. But on the other hand, I'm so doggone happy. <laughs> and just whoever <laughs> open to this, let them know that I'm happy and don't be worried about me. Don't be crying. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I love them just mm-hmm. as much as they love me, and I'm so glad they all came to see me. They love me. But she was just in total just it was totally happening, just like somebody went went one million dollars. That's what I, and I still may not be. <laughs> it was just, and, and I could feel it. I could feel the happiness. It was like uh, eternal happiness, something that you just don't feel here. It's, it's, it was like eternal happiness. So I saw had that experience, and then maybe about two years later, another cousin of hers had died, and I knew her. I knew her very well. And she had lupus, and she passed away right around about fifty or fifty one and we went I went to her funeral and then after the funeral, we came back to the church for the family dinner and again, her presence came around me, she was totally happy, and she says i know she was saying to me she says, I know you understand, but family don't understand, but maybe you can talk to one of my family members and let them know that um I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm free. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. the experience that I experience with spirits on the other side, the benevolent spirit, they're happy. 
<laughs> you know, there. Mm-hmm. I have my great aunt who had passed away, who came to visit me one night. She came to visit me because I was going through some. I was going through some personal things in my life. I was mm-hmm. depressed. I was going through some personal things. I was laying in bed and had tears in my. She came to me, checking on me, and I'm looking at her. I'm asking her, well, "Oh, what's it like <laughs> on the other side?" And she looked at me, smiling like, "I'm fine." You got the problem. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> right. So, baby, right. I came here to check on you. And right. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> she said, and then she told me, she said, baby, everything is going to be all right. And she was right. The very mm-hmm. next day, things I was worried about mm-hmm. turned over and everything was all right. So these visitations with spirits or, or the spirit world, their their love, their peace, or their kindness, their their your support. <laughs> mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when you provide readings, now are most of your clients coming to you for mediumship services? Um, usually, um, most of the time they do. Um, uh, I mean, some of them come maybe just see what the future is going to be like for them. And then some of them will come and say, okay, um, just tell me what you see. And some will come and say, hey, you know, um, I have a loved one that had passed on that um, see if you can connect. Um, Ones that are hard, what I mean by hard, because you feel the pain if somebody's life was taken. Those Mm -hmm. are hard because you can feel the pain of the family and pulling that loved one through. Again, mm-hmm. when you get that loved one pulled through, even though how they went was tragic, from my experience as the ones I dealt with, they're at peace on the other side. Mm-hmm. So the message they tell me to tell the family is that they're at peace. Um, mm-hmm. I had a situation, um, this has happened, ooh, maybe about 15 and 16 years ago. A co-worker of mine, um, son, was involved in a situation, lost his life at 18 years old, okay? Mm-hmm. And I had just got through being initiated into the Agungun. And I came back to work, and and then I heard the sad news about her son. It was back then; it, the situation tragic was on it was on television. And mm-hmm. when she came back to work, um, I walked by near her desk to go to out the door, go to the men's room. And um, when I walked past her desk, something in my stomach was was bothering my stomach real hard. In other words, his energy was bothering me real hard and was telling me, you go back and tell my mother I'm okay. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. first of all, I don't know your mother that well. And Mm -hmm. everybody's not open to this. And and I'm at work at the same time, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is not going to (laughs) work. And and the fear part of me, like, I'm not going to tell this lady that she's grieving already and and then I'm going to go and tell your son just came to me and told me that he's all right and she's already grieving. I said, I'd be the lost my job. That was the point of my mind, you know. <laughs> right, so by right. the time I got to the 
men's room, I was almost sick as a dog because the energy was so strong. So then mm-hmm. I came out the men's room, and then I walked by the desk again, and the energy stayed on me. Then I went back to my desk. It, Brother Man just did not let me just sit mm-hmm. still. So I finally said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to figure out something so I can get this up off of me. So I um, mm-hmm. went near her desk, and there was somebody, another coworker was talking to her. I said, oh, good, that's an alibi. I can just. I could just go back to my desk. Her phone rang. Mm-hmm. Okay. She picked up her phone. She said, "Nobody's on the phone." Mm-hmm. And and I was standing there, and the coworker was standing there, and, and then her phone rang again. And then this other coworker mm-hmm. was standing there. Said, "Well, somebody's trying to get in contact with me. Maybe I need to go back to my desk." And I look, I'm like, mm-hmm. "Yeah." Same thing. So I walked back toward my desk, and and then I felt him again, and then I put him to the challenge. I said, okay, I said, well, if you really think I need to go say it to your mother, make that phone ring again. (laughs) Her phone rang for the third time. She picked up the phone and said, oh, nobody's here. And I was like, damn. (laughs) So I said, okay. I um, he said, now tell my mama that I'm fine and that whoever did this, they're gonna uh, um, they're gonna find out by tomorrow. So I said, okay. Mm-hmm. I, so anyway, I said, well, you know, I hugged her and I said, well, I just need to tell you something. I said, I, you know, I know I'm different from people and I, things are different, but I, 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 however, did I slid into it perfectly, and I mm-hmm. told her, I said, well. Um, I, I, I told. I think I might tell. I said, "Well, I feel things. I feel things is different." And I said, "I don't." I said, I, "You know, I don't know if you're open, or whatever." She looked at me. And she had a big smile on her face. She says, "Okay." She said, "Tell me what you need to tell me," and she was mm-hmm. smiling and real relaxed. I was like, "Okay." I said, "Well, um, I feel," and I said, and I started describing her son. I said, "Well." Your son is this, and then she looked at me. She said, "Yeah, that's him. That's him. That's him." And she said, "He's very fiery. He's very this. He's gonna make sure he get his word out. He's very that." And then I said, "Well, he told me to tell you that he's fine on the other side, and and whoever caused the situation, it will you'll the case will be solved." She got up mm-hmm. and she hugged me and she thanked me for that, and she said. You just don't know. I've been laying in my bed and praying every night to God for somebody to find to find that person who committed a crime to my son. The very next day on television, I think the young man turned himself in. Mm, wow. Yeah. So, that, you know, so I know it's real. That is, yeah, moments <laughs> like that are, you know, again, when mm-hmm. they show the little lady Long Island medium on TV, she's always mm-hmm. cold reading people in places. And that's really, mm-hmm. people don't have an idea of, the. well, A, that's not something that you just go around easily interrupting someone's day to say, oh, by the way, your oh, Uncle yeah. Joe is here. And I got a message for you. That's not something most uh, mediums, you know, again, it's scripted reality how it goes on TV. But, you know, mm-hmm. usually she displays that the spirit is definitely worrying her, like, I need you to go ahead and do this. And she kind of struggles mm-hmm. a little bit before she winds up engaging mm-hmm. the person in conversation. 
But mm-hmm. uh, it can be very challenging because it's not like this is a client who has called you personally and said, I want to do this right, right now, you know. Oh, <laughs> it's right. a lot different right. out in the wild, right. so to speak. But yeah, when no, a person that Mm-hmm. Well, I was saying for a I'm person sorry, who's never had, mm-hmm. well, a person who's never had a mediumship reading before, how would you um, advise them to necessarily be prepared or what to think about uh, before they come to a medium such as yourself? How can a person have the best reading possible in conjunction with the gifts and the messages that you have opportunity to bring? Um, be open and be relaxed. Not have fear. I'd say not have that Hollywood fear or that maybe Bible thumping fear. It's being relaxed and trust. Yeah. And your gifts, you talk about... um, I'm, if people, we tend to talk about the clairs, the five clairs. So you hear spirit in our clear audience, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you uh, see, so you're also clairvoyant. You see actual, mm-hmm. um, so you can describe mm-hmm. someone uh, with a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. then clair sentient, so uh, you feel. Mm-hmm. Then the feelings, mm-hmm. of, like you said, of the loved ones and the person themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And did you? And I can smell certain scents too. Oh, Claire like Gus- Gustafs. Okay. Yeah, they wear certain perfumes. That one is much more rare. Really? Yeah, that I can. That's more um, rare with the smell. Like you'll get the smell, but there are some people mm-hmm. who even more rare. They say is the taste, where you'll get a taste in your, you know, I like had, uh, one lady. I she, had that done. She too. asked, "Who likes margaritas here?" Because she's like, "I'm tasting margarita mm-hmm. salt in my mouth." Somebody here likes margaritas. I don't think I would want to have that gift because what if I don't <laughs> like what you give me the place? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Aunt Lois always yeah. like liverwurst. Why am I tasting liverwurst? I don't want to do that. You yeah. know. <laughs> I have that, sometimes I have that taste of reading somebody and then somebody's loved one who was a really, really good cook. And I remember one lady I read, I think her grandmother did really good. It was either barbecue or something. And I was reading her, because first I saw her grandmother and she she said, yeah, that's my grandmother. Then all of a sudden I started tasting it. Ooh, this it was good. I like soul food. I was tasting some barbecue. <laughs> and she laughed and she said, she, yeah, she can tear up some barbecue. <laughs> and I got hungry for that second. I, went, I, I wanted some ribs. <laughs> That's funny. Now, you also mm-hmm. did go to, in addition to studying Ifa. You also mm-hmm. went to a local psychic development school here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. How long mm-hmm. did that take, and what was your experience? Was it helpful to you um, in in terms of understanding and working with your gifts more? Yeah, I uh, studied um, for the psychic development under um, Carl Woodall, and that was very helpful. It helped me to how to balance it 
because I found a lot of time in my life I was just so open that I was being bombarded by everything because I was feeling everything on the planet. I mean, I I mean, I can feel mm-hmm. when the sun's coming up. I can feel when the sun is going down. I can feel. That's another thing I had to be very careful because I'm so sensitive. I'm so empath. If my mm-hmm. coworker didn't have a good evening and they bring mm-hmm. it to work and I'm coming in fresh and feeling good, next thing I know what they're feeling attached to me did I and or if a coworker came to work and feeling really, really excited uh, and then they get around me, then all of a sudden I'm really excited. So I, that's one thing I, I had to really, what I learned in that class really how to protect myself because it was to a point where I was feeling too much of everything where on the other side of it, it was driving me crazy because I was feeling too much of everything. And right. um, and then I was at to a point that I didn't want to go to a mall, I didn't want to go to a store, um, I just wanted to come home, not really socialize, just stay in my house. So um, I'm really so thankful for the psychic development, you know, for teaching me how to balance the energies out and also how to use it properly, just like you said, not me just walking up down the street and just give somebody impromptu readings like I see this and see that, (laughs) but the ethics Mm -hmm. that goes behind it, you know, Right. And, um, yeah, so I'm very, very, I would encourage anybody who are, anybody who knows that you're open and, and you have abilities to be, to be a medium, be a psychic, and or or or, or, uh, or going through people who are out there who's not, there's a lot of people out there who doesn't realize they are mm-hmm. impact, okay? And they feel in all these different emotions that's making them depressed, making them this way, making them that way. Um, and you're feeling maybe yourself a little bit different or stand off from society. That's a good class and, and, and to take to um, see what's going on with yourself, to open up yourself okay. and to learn how to to understand yourself and to um, how to basically how to balance it, and that's one of the, the one of the beautiful gifts I've received out of the class. And I'm so thankful for Carl for that class is to the balance because now I walk around, I'm balanced. I can go into a mall, I can go into a grocery store, you know, um, right. I can and be comfortable and not be hit by every <laughs> energy that's coming through. <laughs> So that was, for me, that was a lifesaver for me. Yeah. Yes. That's, I think, the most common thing that people discount as an actual psychic hit is their empathy connection to people. A lot of people say, oh, as soon as that person came in the room, the energy shifted. Well, you just psychically read that person. Um, Exactly. Exactly. They'll say, oh, there's just something about that person, their energy. I just don't trust them. They're hiding something. Mm -hmm. Well, you just Mm use your psychic gifts, right? But most people say, oh, that's not that. That's just my gut feeling Mm -hmm. or whatever. 
Or why do I get, like you said, why do I get depressed whenever this depressed person comes in? A lot of people just don't have an awareness. And it kind of made me giggle when you said that because the thing I learned is to ask, is this mine? Is this me? (laughs) You know, and then my guy just would come to me, no, no, this isn't your sad feeling. Like you really, I paused like, why am I feeling so sad? Like I need to cry and watch a sad movie right, right. now. And I'm like, wait, is right. this me? No, it's not me. And then right. I can, you know, better manage it. And of course we up yeah. our protections and say that, which is not ours, yeah. does not attach to us, so to speak, you know? Yeah. But um, that's one I think thing. that's the most common psychic gift. Honestly. Is it is. And that's one of the things I used to suffer from a lot is growing up. As a teenager, you know, a lot of times I was severely depressed. Uh, and even even in my 20s and 30s, I would go through stages. I really, was, like, really just down out depressed. And a lot of times what it was, it wasn't that really I was, I was picking up on everybody's vibration, not mm-hmm. understanding about me being an empath, not understanding that. So... I remember one time I talked to my doctor was thinking about, okay, maybe I need to get on some kind of antidepressant, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't understand how to block myself or I didn't have the knowledge about really being the empath, what that's like, about blocking mm-hmm. or anything like that. I was just being pushed around by whatever mm-hmm. the flow that was going on. So, uh, right. yeah. Like a development course, I think for anybody who's open to it, is 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 it's it's a great thing to to take. Well, you know, it's just been such an interesting conversation. We're just in the last few minutes of our interview here. Okay. For people who want to get in contact with you now, do you see people in virtual space or person space? Is it just in the Atlanta area, or are able people able to contact you from anywhere uh, in the world in order to get services from you? Well, let me give you. Um, is it okay if I can give them my? Um, Absolutely. My, my um, Gmail. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Okay, they can contact me through email through um, pcook one nine six six five zero at gmail.com. Okay. And um, you you are definitely, you read at different fairs in town here in Atlanta, and then you also do phone readings as well? Um, I don't really, not right, I don't really at this moment do phone readings. Okay. Um, okay. I'm usually a person. I like to see people. Close up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, for those of our listeners who are in the Atlanta area, I'm really excited to share that this weekend on Sunday is the Vibrary Elevation Station. Now, Elevation Stations are a pop-up event that I host around the metro area, and they feature high-vibe 
and holistic products and services, people who are making and crafting from their own creative gift space, and also readers and psychics, astrologers, uh, people who are sharing of their spiritual gifts. And so it's kind of like a psychic fair holistic expo wrapped into one. And this Sunday, that will be taking place at the Cupcakery in East Point, Georgia. And I'm so excited. Preston is one of the readers that will be on hand offering services. Um, I know you've had some people already fill out time slots, but you do still have some openings, Preston. And so I'd invite anyone who wants to come to uh, have a reading with you to come out and join the Good Vibe Tribe. You can find out all the details on the Vibrary and Facebook page. And also then, uh, you know, the Blue Barn, the first of the month up in Roswell, Georgia, Preston, you're a frequent uh, contributor there. And um, if anyone is interested in also finding out other places that you will be, uh, definitely reach out and email uh, Preston at the information provided. And I am hoping that you will uh, be offering some teaching from your knowledge uh, to the Vibrary community at some point because um, um, I feel like you have some things as far as managing empathy and mediumship that are probably um, needful for us to know. So I I hope that you'll come back and teach us something more at some point. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Do you have Do you have any closing kind of um, advice, either from spirit or from your personal wisdom, to anyone who might be listening and thinking that they uh, heard something familiar in your story? Any advice that you would like to give them in terms of discovering further who they are? Um, One advice... um, I always tell people to love one another. Um, (laughs) One thing about this mediumship, have compassion. I remember I went to see Dalai Lama maybe about seven, eight Mm -hmm. years ago in Emory, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. his topic was about compassion. This planet needs love and compassion, okay, Mm -hmm. for others. Mm One thing about me doing this mediumship of psychic is having, when you hear the different people's stories, because so many people are going through different journeys, different situations, it makes me even more compassionate towards others mm-hmm. and um, feelings towards others and compassion and that special space of love. And that's, mm-hmm. to me, what is so important. And um, I guess that's just the last word I just say, is that love one another and have compassion for each other because, I mean, that itself can change the whole world. You talk about uh, why do we have to wait until we die and go mm-hmm. to this heaven where you can have it right here. We can. Mm-hmm. I, I believe we can have it right here. So, Absolutely. That's just what I want to leave with, yeah. That's absolutely true. 
I think about how you said that our loved ones, uh, our ancestors are around us, our guides and angels, they're around us. They're not away somewhere. They're just kind Mm -hmm. of outside of our vision in some cases. Right. And I think the Mm -hmm. same space that they occupy is the same opportunity to see the connected and compassion of the living who are around us as well. It's really just about opening your eyes to seeing them Mm -hmm. and coming into Mm -hmm. awareness instead of being oblivious and blind or turning a purposeful blind eye to those around us in spirit and in truth. You'll be amazed. I really You'll be amazed. Yeah. When you go I really and learn about yourself. You. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I really said, appreciate I know you, you joining okay. the show this evening. Yeah, I, I okay. definitely hope. Um, now, um, for those of you tuned in, every Tuesday is the Psychic Inside Show, and we've got some Great guests lined up in the coming weeks. We've got Dr. Shahrazad Taylor, um, who, who, owner of Synch- Synchronicity Bookstore at one point here in Atlanta, and also um, we've got uh, I've got so many people I can't even think. I've got five people already lined up for the coming weeks, and then on Thursday evening is the Vibrarian Show, and that's where I get to have a conversation about different subjects. We've talked about divination, channeling, the moon. Uh, the, the, this week we're going to be talking about 2018 and what it means to have this be a master 11 year. We know that numbers have vibration, and this is a hugely powerful time. And Thursday we're going to sit down and talk about what 2018 means and how to use the energetic opportunity that's presented to us. So in the meantime, this week and as you go out into the world, I do wish for you all of the blessings that you can possibly hold in your arms until they overflow and spill out onto the world that is around you. I absolutely recognize your light, Preston, and the light in each of us who are here connected this evening, and I honor you in this moment and thank you for spending this time with us. Uh, I mean, Namaste. Too, and I have one else too. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank right. you. Have a good evening. Good night, everyone. You too. All right. Good night. <laughs>